0: Take your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, thank you brother Ron, great job today. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to read verses 19 through 29 together, we'll read this passage responsively. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 19 through 29, Ephesians chapter 5 verses 19, ooh that was loud, through 29. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. And without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. And let's finish on verse 29 together. Ready? For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. And let's pray, Father, in the next 35 minutes or so, would you give me your power? Help me to help a lot of people tonight strengthen some marriages, encourage some homes, draw us closer together as a church. May we be more what you want us to be and less what our flesh wants us to be tonight. Please, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Keep your Bible open. We're going to use it. I'm going to start by saying something that is very close to my heart and I believe close to the heart of God. Sometimes I don't think we realize how much God loves the church. Sometimes we go because we're supposed to go. Or because I think I need it. Most of us go to church because of how it affects us. Not because of how important to God it is. Amazing how selfish we are. It's not a matter, God didn't give us the church just for us, it was for Him. It's His church. The church is not to be a country club where we come and socialize and it's a status symbol. Jesus started the church. By the way, the church is not the Gentile temple. It is not the synagogue. Jesus went to the temple preaching the gospel, getting people saved and getting them out of the temple to come to the church. That's right. The disciples went to the temple preaching the gospel to get people saved because the temple was teaching wrong doctrine. Yes, sir. This is not the equivalent of the Jewish temple. It is the church. Amen. Jesus was Jewish or Hebrew, not Jewish, but Hebrew by race. Jewish means religion. Hebrew is a race. Now listen carefully here. He knew, Jesus knew, that not only what he wanted for us, but he also knew what the church meant for God in eternity. I'm going to make a statement here. Listen carefully. Jesus did not start the church for us to run it according to how we want He started it to keep us close to him. We're to do it his way. Jesus not only started the church, the Bible says that he gave his life for it. If it was, let me say it this way. The church is as important to God as your salvation. Because it was the same price the blood of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. If somebody wanted to start a Chick fil A restaurant, so to speak, they went to McDonald's and they went to Burger King and they went to Taco Smell, I mean Bell, and they went to Arby's, and they gathered the hottest items off of their list, and then they started Chick fil A selling those items. Would the Chick-fil-A franchise be pleased with that? What if they said, well, uh, we'll get workers from there. We won't change their uniforms. They can just wear whatever uniform from whatever restaurant they came from. Oh, no. That's what happens in churches today. God's not interested in Burger King Christianity having it your way. Let's have it God's way. Church is a bit more like military chow. You hold your plate out, we flop it down. (laughs) Say, well, I don't want it. Eat it anyway, that's what you're getting. Say, well, that's not very kind. No, but sometimes God knows what you need before you know what you need. The church is not about you, it's about him. Now, listen to me very carefully here. God loves Grace Baptist Church. I believe God's blessing Grace Baptist Church. In a very special and very unique way. That reason is not your pastor. That reason is because of you and our relationship and our standing with God. Now listen to this very carefully. As long as we keep doing it his way, according to his word, he can keep blessing us. The moment we stray and begin to do it ourselves the way we want to do it, the way we see it, God begins to remove his hand of blessing. As a church member, the more you obey the word of God, the more the blessing of God you get. The less of it you obey, the less of the blessing of God you get. So the closer we keep ourselves to him, the more he will be able to bestow upon us. Matter of fact, Ephesians 5, God compares the church to the marriage relationship. There's nothing as sacred as marriage. There's nothing that's been under attack in America for the last 60 years more than marriage in America. Nothing. I... I would dare say I couldn't point to probably one family in this church that has not been affected in their own family by divorce. I'm a bit of a relic. No comments. My my mom and dad were married just shy of 58 years before my mom went to heaven. 59? I'm sorry. <laughs> I got corrected. Okay. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) Thanks, Pop. Uh, Almost 59 years. I have one, two, three, four. I have four aunts and uncles that have been married over 50 years. Some over 60 years. How long were Grandma and Grandpa Bush married? 70? 74 years. My dad's parents were married 74 years. My mom's parents were married 45 or 46 years before grandpa passed away. And she was a widow for 38 years. And she lived to be 99. So I understand life and marriage a bit different than those of you, and I don't mean this the wrong way, that have been through a lot of divorces, either yourself or your family. The concept of stepkids or step parents and things it's foreign to me I didn't know anybody that was divorced in my family I really didn't until I had cousins that were adults and things that had not had things work out I we'd never had a divorce in our family that I knew of it was just something I heard about other people it never happened in our family so I understand there's a, a sacredness to that. My wife and I this month will celebrate 34 years of being married. And we're just getting started. We're the young ones. My brother's anniversary is just a week or so ago, and they, they celebrated 39 years. We're the babies. All right? And I think, and I, we'll go out and I'll say something. Well, it's been that way for the last 34 years, and the waitress will say, that's a long time. And I'm thinking... You don't know what I know. I'm not even halfway to where my grandparents were. It's just a bit different today. Now, listen to me very carefully. If God loves the church so much that he likens it to the relationship of a husband and a wife, maybe we ought to pay attention. I'm going to make another statement. Maybe we need to pay attention to our marriage relationships in reference to this also. It's not just our relationship to the church, but our relationship to our spouse. Now, please listen to this statement clearly and let me say the whole thing. I am against divorce. But if you've been divorced and you're remarried, I'm for you. Just don't get divorced again. Stay married to the one you're married to and let's live it right. There's only two things a divorced person can't do. That, those two things are pastor church and be deacon of a church. Past that, there's nothing else in scripture saying you can't do other things for God. I'm for it. I'm for using people who have been through divorce. I don't think you're a third class citizen. I don't think God hates you. I know, I know preachers who get up and say, Well, if you've been divorced, you shouldn't even be a church member, bless God. They, they're so stupid, they don't even know which way's up. I have no use for that kind of trash. I believe that once somebody gets married, they ought to stay married. If you've had other marriages in the past, you're not a bad person per se. You're a sinner like everybody else. But may I say this, if you're married, stay married to the one you're married to. and Let's get it right. Now, why wouldn't God liken it to a parent relationship? God likens the relationship of marriage, not parent. I'll tell you why. Number one, kids grow up and leave, start their own families. God intended man and woman to get married and stay married till they died, till death do us part. Yeah. Well, I'm always their parent. No, you birth them, but you don't always have the influence and the right to tell them what to do. Right. When your kids are old enough to make decisions on their own, you're no longer their parent. <sighs> Everybody doing okay? Now, listen to me very closely here. God doesn't refer to the church as a child. He refers to it as a spouse, a wife. There is a husband-wife relationship. And as you read through Ephesians 9, he talks about husbands and wives and how he gave himself for it, just like a husband is to give himself for his wife. And that a wife is to submit to the husband and the husband to the wife. It says, submitting yourselves one to another. And we're to do what God wants, whether we want to do it sometimes or not. Tonight, I want to talk to you about this love for the church and how we can learn about the church and marriage all in one. Number one, don't laugh. Marriage joins two people of different families by love. That's why you're not supposed to marry your sister or your cousin. <laughs> I know we're in West Virginia. I know the family tree isn't a tree, it's a vine. But, uh, <laughs> but seriously, marriage is a, a bringing together of two separate families together as one. Now, listen to this very carefully. We are of our father, the devil, when we're, when we're lost. When we get saved, we get a new daddy. We get a new family. Uh, we're brought into his family as his own. When we join the church, we are brought into the marriage relationship with God, not just the parent relationship. There's a difference in having a parent and having a spouse. I love my mom. I love my dad. But I didn't love my mom like I love my wife. Everybody understand that? I'm trying to be as appropriate as I know how to be. Uh, I love my dad. But I uh, I don't love my boys the way I love my wife. I don't love my daughter the way I love my wife. When my kids were growing up, I would say they'd go over to their mom and hug. And I'd say, hey, quit hugging my wife. She's mine. I said, no, she's mine. She was mine before she was yours. No, daddy, she's mine. My wife sit there and grin, and we'd get in a tussle, and argument. And I'd get them mad. I'd say, you ask her. Ask her if she's yours or mine. She'd say, I'm daddy's. But mama, yeah, you're going to leave me one day. Oh, we were hard on them boys. My daughter, oh, she thought some day she's going to grow up, be a mommy and a teacher, and she was going to marry daddy. I said, no, some, tum- some dumb toe-headed idiot is going to come by one day and steal you away, and you're going to leave me for some dumb toe-headed idiot. And three years ago tomorrow, she married the toe-headed idiot right here. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> by the way. And she said, no, daddy, I, I, I'm not going to ever leave. I said, yes, you will. You'll fall in love with some stupid boy one day and you'll leave me. No, I'm not, daddy. Yes, you will. Then she came an older teenager and she found out daddy was right. Went to college and she really knew daddy was right. Wait a minute. I enjoyed that relationship, but my marriage didn't change because my kids left home. Do you know the, the 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 highest percentage divorce takes place in the first 3 years of marriage? Do you know when the second highest rate of divorce takes place? From 25 to 30 years. That's because the kids leave home. And when the kids leave home, you look at somebody and say, "I knew you 20 years ago. Who are you now?" For 20 years we've been in the same house, but I don't know who you are and I don't know how to get along with you. What a shame. Now, I'm going to make a statement here. Don't get mad at me. I think it's unchristian and ungodly to not love stepchildren or stepparents as your own. I think you're not right with God. You need to come to the altar and get right if you can't get along with stepfamily. I'm going to make this statement. If you can't get along with in-laws, you're not right with God. I didn't say you had to like them. I didn't say that they're always going to like you. I didn't say some of them that are lost and evil are going to like everything about you, but you ought to love them, not just tolerate them. It is a matter of getting right with God on your part, whether they're right with God's their problem. But it doesn't mean that you can't get along. I thank God for my mother-in-law and my father-in-law. I'm really thankful they live 1,200 miles away. No. Uh, <laughs> now, I love my mom mom and dad uh, and I call them mom and dad can I tell you why they are my mom and dad two became one so her parents are my parents just like my parents were her parents huh that's the way it's supposed to be do they always agree do I always agree with my in-laws no but I sure do have fun with them I was teasing my mother-in-law last night. Oh, I got her good. Oh, I got her good. My sister-in-law called me just before choir practice tonight. and She's been starting a few things, and she's getting back on her feet after the death of her husband. And she opened a new business. And she opened it Friday, and she was telling me about it and how God's blessing it and different things. And she said, Craig, I hated you. The day you started dating my sister, I hated you. I said, I know, you told everybody. (laughs) She said, why did it take me so long to understand? I said, because you're (laughs) hard-headed. She said, "Uh, why didn't I listen? I said, we've all been asking that question, Crystal. She said, boy, I sure chose the hard route, didn't I? I said, "Mm mm-hmm. But the last words she said to me, she said, I love you. Uh, That's a girl, honestly, she hated me for a while. And I mean hated me. Can I tell you something? Learn to love your in-laws. Our brothers and sisters in Christ at church should be as close or closer than our biological family. I hate to tell you, I'm closer to most of you than most of my biological family it's not that I hate my biological family. I have a brother that lives in Florida and a niece and her family that lives in Georgia and I've got uh, another niece that lives in Florida and a nephew that lives in Florida and (laughs) I might get to see some of them once a year. Some it goes many years between seeing them. My wife's family lives in Minnesota there's about three days a year that it's good enough to go there and see them. <laughs> it's just we we don't see one another a lot. I spend more time with you than I do my own family. I spend time with you more than I do my own children. I really do. I love my kids. I got one in Beale Air Force Base in California. One in. McDonough, Georgia, and I got one now in Homestead, Florida, and their spouses and grandkid. I say, oh, what? what it, life doesn't, that doesn't mean I, I hate my church or I hate my kids. But we're as close as family here. The church is a union of the most unlikely people to function together as one like marriage. It really does not make sense why God made men and women so different until you get married and then you somewhat understand. Can I tell you something? Look at the meanest, nastiest people in our country, and it's the Sodomites. God did not intend people of the same gender to be together as husband and wife. They can say all they want, but they're coming after the kids. Why do you think they want to teach it in the schools? Now, men and women do not think anyway alike. Men and women shop totally different. Amen? If I got to go to the store, I want a list. Before I get to the store, I know exactly where everything is. I got the map out, and I got it in my head. I'm going to go in the store. I'm going to go this way down that aisle, three aisles over, come back up, get this, go there, grab that, go to the cashier, pay for it, and done. Exactly. I'm not going to walk around and pick everything up and look at it and smell it and uh, feel how it feels and, oh, well, let's try this one. Let's go back to that one. And that, No. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And dress shopping. Oh, Lord have mercy. I've got to get myself ready for about a week for that. Not long ago, I took my wife out to go dress shopping. She said, are you sure? I said, we're going to take the whole day. I do not know how many stores we went to. I didn't care. I had the mindset, I'm there to be with her. I can stand in the dress department looking stupid while she's trying 14,000 things on. I can stand there like the only man, and every woman that's there, sitting there looking at you, think, and I'm thinking, no, I ain't one of those. Mm-mm. Now, it takes me a little while to get get mentally ready for that, but I can do it. <laughs> She'll say, well, that's enough. I said, no, you didn't get what you wanted. Let's go. I'm, uh, today's the day. I'm not ready for it tomorrow. I'm ready for it today. <laughs> get it over with. I mean, now, wait a minute. Uh, maybe I shouldn't be that way. You're right. But I take time for her to do it. And now I got to work myself into it because, you know, and I don't understand the woman clothes industry. <laughs> Fellas, I, if I need a pair of shoes, I get an 8.5D. I know it's going to fit. I don't have to try it on. I don't need anything else. Go in, get it. You can try 16 shoes that are the same size for women, and they're all 16 different. I do not understand that. They do, I don't. I think the the industry does that to keep them there trying things on to buy more things. I don't know. I just know it's a lot easier for us men. Thank God. And we really don't care like they care. Now, wait a minute. It really is unique how God takes opposites to come together. Now, listen to this. There's no power unless you have opposite energy. Electricity takes a negative and a positive polarity. Two positives do not give you electricity. Two negatives do not give you electricity. That's why the alphabet soup crowd has no power with God. It takes opposites. Everybody doing okay? It takes love in action for marriage and church to function the way God wants. Church is the most unlikely place for everybody to get along. (laughs) Look at the different types of people in the room in a church sometime. From all backgrounds, from all races, from all walks of life, from all different backgrounds of work, you've got professional people, you've got street people, you've got... uh, Stay-at-home moms, you got working ladies, you've got professional people, you got blue-collar, white-collar, green-collar, pink-collar. I don't care what color the collar is. And we've got all those things, and we come together as a church, and look what takes place. We get along and have a good time. That's what marriage is. You have to have two opposites. To come. My wife and I couldn't be farther apart in how we think most of the time, but yet together we make a good team. Marriage is teamwork. Church is teamwork. So, and by the way, quit fighting each other at home. You both can't be pitcher. You both can't play third base. You're to work together, not against. It's not a competition, it's a completion. Too many people are in competition with one another in their marriage instead of trying to complete one another. I didn't say make them what you want them to be, but help them to be what they need to be. Number two, God wants unity based on truth, not dictatorship or forced followship. Here's where the rubber meets the road for us Christians. Men, we've got a church full of men. Thank God. We got a church full of strong men and I'm glad. But can I tell you something? You can't lead your wife the way you lead yourself or you'll kill her. I have a fairly strong drive in life. I, I have no problem putting a lot of hard hours in. I don't have a problem taking on the, the hard things in life. My wife isn't built that way. She doesn't go to bed at 11, 30 at night and get up at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning and get up and do it all over again. You say, why? Nobody would want to live with her after that. <laughs> including herself. My wife's the kind of person you don't talk to her for the first half hour she's awake in the morning. I don't have to worry about it because I've already been to work for two hours. And that's all right. I, that doesn't bother me. Well, don't you expect her? No, I don't expect her to do any of that. God did not make her to be me. I'm going to make a statement here. We have too many men that are homosexuals in their mind because they want their wife to act more like a man than a woman. You are a mental homosexual. You expect your wife to think like, act like, and be like a man. That's a strong statement. Don't get mad. If you look it up, you'll find out I'm exactly right. I do not expect my wife to keep my schedule. I don't. I don't expect her to keep my work ethic. Now, you'll go long and hard to find a lady that's got a better spirit, that can get more done, and handle herself like she does under the pressure that her husband puts her under through the church, and yet have such a great spirit. But by the way, when I take phone calls at home that are church related or ministry related, I don't talk in front of her. You say, why? (laughs) That's my job, not hers. I'll protect her from it. I don't ask. She doesn't ask me, how was your day? She might say, how's your day? But she doesn't ask the specifics. She doesn't need to know all the nastiness that I know. Say, why don't you tell her? Because I need her to encourage me. I don't need to discourage the encourager. If I told her all the bad news that I've had to take, how's she going to encourage me? She's going to be discouraged. So I don't tell her those things. I don't, well, he's hiding things from me. Some of you sometimes will say to my wife, did, did preacher tell you? And she'll say, no. Say why? Because it's not her job to know. It's my job to know. She, really, she says, I find out when you find out. I go to ch- church to find out what's going on at church. <laughs> Say, why? Because that's the way it's supposed to be. I have to pastor my wife. Most of the time I don't preach the sermon, she preaches at me. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to this statement. Why then do we sometimes, men, dictate and force fellowship out of our families? God never came down one time and grabbed you by the back of the head and pushed you and said, you'd follow me because I said you have to follow me. You do it my way or else. No, God said, here it is. I love you. I'll try to guide you that way. But if you want to make a mistake, go ahead. I'll be there to pick you up. I love you. That's what Ephesians 5, 19 through 21 is all about. God uses music as a illustration to marriage he says speaking to yourselves in psalms hymns and spiritual songs look at the next word making melody in your heart to the lord do you know what the word melody means there that means multiple notes put together chords did you know a chord is not one note a chord is two or more notes put together to sound right. This is not a chord. But this is. There were three notes put together that go together. God doesn't want unison, He wants harmony. He wants melody. He wants two separate things that go together to make beautiful music. Too many of us want unison. Everything one note. Kind of like Charlie Brown teacher. That's the way most of you want your marriage. Some of you men, that's how you want your wife to follow you. Well, I happen to like more notes at one time. I like the little bit of spice that goes with it. I can't taste it, but I like the spice. You see, God does not come down and force-feed and force you to follow him. Now, God wants us to work together in marriage as we're supposed to work together with him with the church. The husband is the head. That's the go-to person. That's the person responsible. By the way, that's the one who's to take the blame. You know what my job is as the leader of this church? Take the blame and share the credit. I didn't clean the whole building yesterday, but we sure did have 20-some folks out here working their their tails off to clean things up. Well, preacher, you, you, you organized it. Yeah, but I didn't do the work. And if something didn't get done the way you wanted it done, show up and do it. Don't complain about it. Well, I don't like. Well, then come here and let's fix it. Put a paintbrush in your hand, you fix it. And then you clean the mess up after you paint it all over the floor. Amen, Brother Harry? Uh, Anyway. uh, (laughs) Well, bless God, I'm the head. Well, I hate to tell you something. Your wife is the neck on which the head turns. Without the neck, your head's dead. You'd be a dead head. That's why God said that the, the wife is to guide the house. The neck guides the head. It is to work together. You think just because you're the head, everything goes through you. Yeah, but it's got to go down to the neck eventually. And it controls the rest of the body. Love works together in marriage like the head and the neck. And as musical notes, different notes go together in, in a harmonious, in a chordal way. The same is true in a church. That's why when the pastor and the staff and the people and everybody is in agreement, is everybody the same? No, thank God the whole church isn't like God. But at the same time, thank God not, not the whole church is like uh, Miss Paula. Thank God for Miss Paula, but there would be no amens. It would be too quiet. <laughs> that one, not that one. Thank God it's not like that one. I mean, uh, anyway. Now, wait a minute. God takes all these different personalities, puts us together, and look at the harmony that comes with Grace Baptist Church. I wish you could learn that about your marriage. I don't expect my wife to think like me. I don't expect her to agree with me on everything. And I have to slow down enough to realize a lot of times she's right and I'm wrong. My daddy said, you got to learn two words, son. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. If you learn those two words, you're going to have a good marriage. Yes, ma'am. Number three, love in a marriage, it means this cherish and to nourish look at verse 28 so ought men to love their own wives as their own bodies he that loveth his wife loveth himself for no man ever yet hated his own flesh but nourisheth and cherisheth it even as the lord the church Let me ask you a question. Do you treat your spouse like God does the church? The word nourish means to feed. It literally comes from, and I'll be as appropriate as I know how to, as a mother would feed an infant. That's called nourishing. The word cherish means to warm, to brood. God said that the man is to nourish and cherish his wife. He didn't say Lord over them, beat them on the head, scream and holler, demand your way. No, 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 no. I'm to love my wife enough to where she wants to follow me. I'm not the kind of pastor who is going to force people to follow me. I used this statement, I think, two or three times yesterday. I've used it a bunch of times in the last several weeks. Brother Jim, you've uh, heard me say this before. This preacher is supposed to be a shepherd, not a cowboy. A shepherd leads. A shepherd walks out ahead of the sheep and cares for the sheep. A cowboy sits on the back of a horse. And he drives the cattle. Yeah, get going. Yeah, crack the whip. Yeah, yeah. yeah." That's the way too many men try to lead their wives. Quit being a cowboy and be a shepherd. My sheep hear my voice and follow me. Hello. You don't have to scream at a sheep. You'll watch them run away. They're skittish little critters. Uh, My goal is not to scare my wife into submission. It's to lead her into following rightly. In marriage, we become one so that we care for the other as ourself. I'm to love my wife as I love my own self. By the way, that means I put her needs ahead of mine. God gives clear instruction for the church. He gave us the written word of God. Some of you get frustrated at your wife because you don't give clear instruction. Well, it's clear to me. Just because you understood it doesn't mean anybody else did. Did you ever try to read your own handwriting? Just because you told her how to plumb the sink or wire the panel doesn't mean she understood it. God knows I ain't touching it. We'll have water coming out the electric panel, electric coming out the water. God gives us leader, the leadership of the Holy Spirit to help guide us. Do you know what some of, the, some of the titles to the Holy Spirit are? Comforter, protector, guide. And God says that that's what we're supposed to be to our spouse. I'm to protect her. I'm to guide her. I to to uh, comfort her. That doesn't mean yell and scream. Doesn't mean push everybody away because I'm in a bad mood. Doesn't mean, well, it was a bad day at work, so uh, I'm just going to let off some steam. Well, go out in the woods and pound sand for a while or beat your head against a tree. Don't do it to your wife. My wife is not my sounding board to blow steam off. No wonder your, your marriage is so rough. Everybody doing all right? Get alone in the woods, tell God about it, get it off your chest, and go home and have a good marriage. Boy, that's good stuff. Amen, preacher. God wants our marriages the same way. Clear lines, principles by which we follow. Not emotions, Principles. We're to comfort, protect, guide, just like the Holy Spirit does. We're to be looking out for the needs of the other more than self. Did you know the Holy Spirit does not concern himself with what he needs? He concerns himself with what we need. And you would have a happy marriage if you'd quit thinking about yourself and think about your spouse. Boy, that's good stuff. Some of you are so worried about your spouse submitting. If you'd learn more how to lead, they could submit. It's kind of hard to follow something that's not going anywhere. And the more you stand there and demand somebody follow you, the less you're doing. Did you ever notice Jesus didn't force anybody to follow him? He came upon some disciples, Peter and Andrew, and he said, fellas, follow me. And I'll make you fishers of men. <laughs> he didn't say, quit your business, follow me, come on, tell your mom and dad goodbye, let's go. He said, no, let's go talk to James and John. Hey, fellas, I'm going somewhere. If you follow me, I'll help you become fishers of men. Come on. I'll find one time where Jesus forced anybody to follow him. God says marriage is just like Jesus in the church. Our marriage is just like the relationship. And if we understood how much God loves the church, maybe we would understand how to love each other a little better. One more statement. Our selfish pride and our stubbornness to look past what we see creates the contention in marriage and in church. You're not always going to understand what the preacher sees. Just trust that the preacher sees better than you do. So, Preacher, I don't understand. (laughs) That's why I've been doing it for 35 years. Don't expect you to. If you understood it, you'd be the pastor. I don't know how else to say that. Jesus loves the church. He started it. He wants us to be a part of it. He wants us to love it because of how much it means to God. Not something we have to do, something we get to do. But may I say something? First John four seven eight Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. When there is a strain in any love relationship, whether it be husband and wife, parent, child, friend to friend, pastor to people, uh, whatever love relationship there is, when there is a struggle, I'll guarantee one or both aren't right with God. You're not walking with God. The moment I feel the blood boiling in my neck, coming up to my ears, thinking, that crazy woman, I'm going to give her what for? I stop and I say, I need to spend some time with God. Because somewhere, I'm not right right now. That's not how I'm to respond to her. And I get alone and say, okay, God, what, what am I missing here? Before I really blow it, what am I missing? And I get me right with God. By the way, when this is right, this is right. When this is wrong, that's wrong. Guaranteed. Let's have a stronger, more spiritual marriage. Let's not worry about the physical as much as the spiritual. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm done. I'm crash laying the plane here. God gave himself for the church. Marriage is the most holy relationship on the face of earth, and we have cheapened it. By the way, as church and religion has gotten wilder and wilder, so have the marriages in our country. We need to get back to God. We need to walk with God individually. We need to walk with God together.